Hey, this is Pastor Arm, and I want to thank you for joining me today for the Activation Church podcast. We are here so that people can activate their life in Christ, and I believe this message is going to help you go further than ever before. Check it out. And I want to start by reading Psalm 18 this morning, verses 1 through 6. The Bible says, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and I am saved from my enemies. The cords of death encompass me. The torrents of destruction assailed me. The cords of Sheol entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. On your own time, finish out chapter 18, it's amazing. And the reason I wanted to read it today is because I wanted to contrast Psalm 13, which we read last week, to Psalm 18 that I just read this morning. See, in Psalm 13, David is in the middle of a struggle. He is surrounded by his enemies. He is in a desperate place, a desperate situation, And he's crying out to God. But once we move to Psalm 18, he's speaking to us from a place of victory. Every enemy he had in Psalm 13 has already been dealt with. All of the problems he had in Psalm 13 have now been resolved through his help, which he identifies as the Lord, his shield, his protector, the horn of his salvation. The reason I love reading Psalms like that is because you get to see all the different seasons of life. You get to see David in the middle of his struggle, and then you get to see him in the middle of his victory. And it reminds me that sometimes life is up here and sometimes life is down here. Sometimes we have high moments and sometimes we have low moments. But what I'm wanting us to learn, especially today, is I'm wanting to learn us to learn how to go from those low moments and pull them back up to a place of victory. I want us to understand that we will have struggles, but at the same time that we have struggles, we also have victory because the Lord is on our side. Somebody say, the Lord Lord. is on my side. And so I have the ability and the strength and the endurance I need to go from the valley of the shadow of death back into greener pastures because the Lord is on my side. He is my victory. I understand that I will have valley moments. Please hear what I'm saying. I understand that I will have valley moments. I will have moments in life where I feel like I'm all alone. I will have moments where I feel like there's an enemy in every direction. That is called life. Turn to the person next to you and say, that is called life. But I also know that if I will stand, he will give me the strength to endure, and I will see a victory. I need that to be your attitude this morning because some of you may be in the middle of crisis and you need to go through it with the declaration that I will see a victory. I may not know how, I may not know when, but I will see a victory. When fear starts to try to creep into my life and overwhelm my life, I have to remind fear that God is with me. And if God is for me, nothing can be against me. And so I'm not going to bow my knee to fear, but I'm going to declare, I will see a victory. I will see a victory. Turn to the person next to you and say, I will will see a victory. Today is going to be a little bit different because instead of doing like a traditional sermon, I thought it would be helpful for us to do kind of like a group therapy session. I'm not going to charge you by the hour. However, if you do feel like you got some breakthrough, I will leave my Venmo information. I'm just kidding. 
But I think it's, it's helpful for us to have moments of therapy that are rooted in good theology. Because we all live in a broken world. How many of you understand this world is broken? We are born into a broken world. And because we are born into a broken world, we too are broken and continue to break along the way. Life's not all sunshines and roses. Life is filled with traumatic events. Life is filled with crisis. If I gave you a microphone and had you come up here and tell your story, each and every person in here would have something that they have had to walk through. And some of you, when you hear that person telling the story, you'll be like, man, I, I thought I was the only one that has ever had to deal with that in my life. But you have this moment where you realize, man, I'm not alone. I'm not the only broken person. And I, I think that there are really two kinds of people in this life. There are those who know they're broken, and there are those who are broken that don't know it. And sometimes the people who don't know they're broken tend to be the most broken. The good news is Jesus Christ specializes in putting broken things back together. God specializes in taking broken people and putting us back together so that we don't have to live broken anymore. It's okay to be broken. It's okay to understand that you are broken. It's okay to uh, be honest and say, I'm in a breaking moment right now, but you need to know that you do not have to stay broken, that you do not have to stay stuck in this breaking season because God specializes in putting broken things back together. Not only does he specialize in it, he desires to do it. Turn to the person next to you and say, he desires to do it. I love that passage where it talks about God is more than able. He can do exceedingly abundantly above. And I love that. But it's not just that he's able. He desires to show us his ability. Those who put their trust in him will see his strength in operation in their life. Those who try to stand in their own strength are the ones that are going to continually crumble and fall. Those are the ones that are going to be on the roller coaster of life. Those are the ones who are going to continually be stuck in their brokenness, trying to do it on their own. But somebody say, God is able and he's willing. God is able and he's willing. 3 John, verse one, uh, sorry, 3 John chapter 1, verse 2 I'm reading from the New King James Version on this particular verse because I like how it's worded. But the Bible says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper. Somebody say prosper. prosper. Now turn to the person next to you and say prosperity is not a bad thing. Prosperity has gotten a bad name because some people have taken it to an extreme. But how many of you know we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater? We keep the baby and get some new bathwater. Prosperity out of context is terrible, but prosperity under the context of the scripture is good. And he says, I actually pray that you may prosper and be in health. God wants you to prosper in every aspect of your life, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and financially. Every aspect of your life, God desires for you to prosper. He has created you to prosper. He has designed you to prosper. And then he backs it up and says, not only do I want you to prosper in those areas, but I also want your soul to prosper. And here's where the breakdown happens. Because many of us think prospering is business is good. But business can be good, and you can be depleted in your soul. True prosperity is not external, it is internal. True prosperity is the peace of God that goes beyond all understanding. True prosperity is having peace in the midst of the storm. Why? Because it's not external, it's internal. And if we get it backwards, we're going to have a very jacked up life. Because some people think, 
I can fix me by fixing the things around me. If I can fix my marriage, then I'm going to be whole. If I can fix my finances, then I'm going to be whole. You've got it backwards. It is internal. And then the internal will affect the external. Because if I'm healthy, I will build healthy relationships. If I'm healthy, I will do healthy things with my finances. Are you following what I'm saying? Many times, a lot of people get into financial crisis because you are trying to satisfy a brokenness in your life with a resource that you don't have. So you overextend yourself. You spend more than you got. Hello? Because you think buying more things is going to make you feel better. And it may happen for a moment. You could go on a very expensive vacation and find rest for a season, but you come back and that brokenness is waiting for you at home. You can get a pay raise. You can get a promotion. You can get a new job, and it can all be good things, but brokenness will still be there to meet you when you get home because those things are temporary. Some people think that it is relationship that is going to fix me. And so I'll get into this relationship, and then when this person can't make me feel the way I want to feel or need to feel, then I'm going to go to another relationship, and that's going to become a vicious cycle in your life. You're going to go from relationship to relationship to relationship. Why? Because people are not there to fix your brokenness. I was thinking about it yesterday morning. I was driving up to the mountains. I was alone. I've been going through a tremendous amount of things emotionally, mentally over the past several weeks, you know, and I was just thinking about everything and I, I came to this resolve, you know what, my wife, it's not her responsibility to bear the burden of my brokenness. That's what Jesus came for. He says, everybody that's worn out, heavy laden, come to me, I'll give you rest. But if I'm going to a person for rest, then I'm going to burden them, I'm going to break them, and I'm still going to carry my brokenness. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? We have to know where to go to find healing. And I'm not just talking about theories this morning. I'm talking about actually finding that place where we are prospering in our soul. And many of us do not prosper in our soul. We deal with soul depletion because we're going to the wrong place. To find healing we come to church we look like a Christian we carry the label of someone who loves Christ but we remain broken because we're still trying to fix us the same way the world fixes them but it never works so the person next to you said it never works you know why people get wrapped up in substance abuse it starts with them trying to deal with a broken part in their life. And so what happens is I go to this because it numbs the pain of the moment I'm in. Sometimes we do it, we don't even realize it, by the way. It just becomes a knee-jerk reaction. We do it, it feels good in the moment. The problem is anyone who has been tied up in anything will understand what I'm saying is true. What used to satisfy the temporary moment no longer works, and so I need more. Am I telling the truth? Yeah. You know, a couple of beers doesn't work anymore, so I need a six-pack. Six-pack of beers doesn't work anymore, so I need a 12-pack. 12-pack doesn't work anymore, so I need 18. 18 doesn't work anymore, so I need 18 plus a few shots. On and 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 on. I'm not coming against whether or not you want to have a drink or not. Understand what I'm saying? There's, there's a difference between enjoying a drink and using a drink as a crutch. Because if you're going to it for brokenness, it's not going to make you better. It's going to continue breaking you until you're broken further. Why? Because you're going to the wrong source. Prosperity is not external. Somebody say it's not external. Prosperity is internal. Please hear what I'm saying. Because if I can get it right in here, 
If my soul can prosper, then every other aspect of me will prosper and be in health. The, the Apostle Paul understood this. And he gives us a glimpse into it in Philippians, the fourth chapter. Many of us quote the end of the text, not understanding the context of where he's coming from. But I want to give you some context to a verse that we quote many times. Football players will put it under their eye patches. Does anybody know the verse off the top of their head? I heard it. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That is true. But we need some context. Paul has gone through a lot of things in his life. And he's opening up a window to the church in Philippi, and he's opening up a window to us to see into the secret of how to live a truly prosperous life. Watch what he says. In Philippians, the fourth chapter, starting in verse 10, he says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at length you have received your, uh, revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned. It's something that he has learned along the way, through going through life. He says, for I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. Why? Because prosperity is not external, it's internal. He says, I know how to be brought low. You don't have to raise your hand this morning, but how many of you in here know what it's like to be low? You know what it's like to not have enough strength to even get out of the bed in the morning. Uh, we can act cute up in here. But I think if we could peel back our Sunday best this morning, you would see that we're all broken. We've all gone through these low moments. Paul saying, I know what it's like to be low. And I know how to abound. I've, I've experienced both. I've had money in the bank and I've had no money in the bank. I've had friends and I've had no friends. I've had it all. I understand every aspect of life. And in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger. I've learned the secret to facing abundance and need. Here's the secret. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That verse is not there to remind you that you can hit a home run or make a touchdown. That verse is there to remind you that he is the source of your life. And as long as you've got him in your life, it doesn't matter what you go through. You can go through in victory because if he is for you, nothing and no one can be against you. You may have to walk through the moment. You may have to walk through the season, but you're coming out on the other side because he is with me and it's not my strength. It is his strength inside of me. I'm learning to deal with that in my own life. There are moments that I come to where I have to be honest and say, I don't have the strength to make it through. And I can either pretend and keep on going, which is only going to further wear me out, or I can get honest with God and say, I don't have strength for the moment, but I know that you are with me, and because you are with me, I can step out in faith. I can endure what I'm in right now because I know you are with me and I am coming through. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When somebody walks out of my life that I thought would be in my life forever, I know that I'm going to make it through because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When I get disappointed with bad news, I'm going to be okay because I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. When I'm trying to change the direction of my life and I end up slipping back and falling back into an old pattern, I'm not going to beat myself up, but I'm going to get back up because I know I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Are you following this this morning? 
it is learning how to tap into the source where the flow of life is flowing into you. If you study John, the 15th chapter, Jesus is trying to show his disciples before he exits the earth how all of this works when he says, you got to understand that I am a vine and you are a branch. And he goes on to tell them, if you want to prosper and be fruitful, it will not happen because you are just a branch. It will happen because you are a branch connected to the vine because I am life. If you separate yourself from me, you're going to wither and die because you are not the source of life. And he doesn't even just say, I'm divine. He doubles down by saying, I'm the true vine, which means there's other vines out there trying to get you to attach. Saying, hey, come to me and I'll give you life. Come to me and I'll make you feel the way you want to feel. The problem is when you connect to that vine, you wither. Can I just speak as a pastor this morning? Some of you are withering away because you have connected yourself to the wrong vine. You've allowed life to happen and sweep you away. It was not something you have intentionally done, but you have connected yourself to a source that is not Jesus Christ, and you are withering you are suffering, and you're going, what in the world is going on? Here's what's going on. You have separated from the source. But here's the wonderful news. It doesn't matter how separated you have become. You always have the inv invitation to come back and connect and abide in this place to where the life of God, the very life of God is flowing through you. When Jesus says, I have come that you may have life, that word life there is zoe, which means the life of God. Jesus said, Bobby, I've come so that you may have the life of God in abundance. That's prosperity. The life of God in abundance is prosperity. And when I get that right, everything else will flow right. Check your priorities. I'm not here to check them for you. Check your own priorities. Look at where you spend your time, your effort, your thoughts, your finances, and there you will find your vine. Now, I'm a Christian. Okay, well, you may believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose from the dead, but have you truly connected to the vine? I heard something the other day from a, a minister. Um, he, he recently passed away, but he was giving his testimony because he came from a lifestyle of like immense drug use. Yet at the same time, he was raised in a Christian home. Okay? And so he, now at the end of his life, he's turned everything around and they're asking him like, what was the big thing here? Like, like, when did you give your life, you know, when did you start believing in Jesus? And he's a, he says, I'm not going to try to do his voice, but he says, oh, man, I always believed in Jesus. And that was never the problem. I brought Jesus my sin. I just never gave him my life. Many of us come to Jesus and we give him our sin, but we don't give him our life. We come to him for what we can get from him. But we never truly go the extra step and say, I'm connecting to this vine. Where I understand that you truly are. Not just in words, but my heart is connected to this thing. Jesus said, you honor me with your lips, but your heart's far from me. Many of us, we have connected with our lips, but our heart is far from him. But he says, if you connect to the vine, if you'll connect to the source, life is going to flow. And listen, this is something that you have to daily discipline yourself to connect into. 
Because every day is going to bring a new opportunity for challenge. How many of you understand that's true? How many of you ate a meal yesterday? Just raise your hand. By a show of hands, how many of you ate a meal yesterday? How many of you are like more than conquerors and you ate like at least three meals yesterday? My people. I'm glad you ate yesterday. Because that means you don't need to eat today, right? Surely you can go today without food. I mean, could you go today and tomorrow without food? What about today, tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday without food? Has, has anybody in here ever been on an extended fast? You know what happens then. When you decide you're cutting out food for a while, your body starts telling you things you didn't know. It starts making you think about things you never thought you would think about. I remember years ago, Randy and I, there was a day of the week that we would set up to fast. And I remember when the fast was over, he and I got in my truck and we immediately went to Sonic. <laughs> and they were like, how can we help you? I was like, a, with a little bit of everything. <laughs> why, why, why does that happen? I mean, honestly, if you've ever gone an extended period of time it's not just a mental thing where you think about food. Your energy starts dropping. Your mood changes. You want to see me in a bad mood? Just let me start thinking about the possibility of the diet I'm about to start. <laughs> I start thinking about all the things I love that I'm about to cut out, and I slip into deep depression. And how do I fix that depression? By eating what I love. Then I feel better. I'm like, oh, thank, thank, thank you, ice cream. But what happens is, it's not just a mind, it's, a, it's emotions, it's physically, your body starts doing things, you start, you start breaking down, you start malfunctioning. Why? Because food was created to fuel your body. And so when you starve yourself of fuel, you're going to notice. What do you think is going to happen when you starve your soul? Don't you know that you are more than a body? You are a spirit and a soul. Your soul that God is saying he wants to prosper, it, that's your mind, your will, and emotions. And if you are starving your soul from the nutrients it needs, then you are going to start malfunctioning mentally and emotionally. Are you following this train of thought? So it's not enough to just say, well, I go to church on Sunday or I go to church when I can. Like, I've got to daily discipline myself to get into what God is wanting to do, make sure that I'm connected to the vine because becoming soul depleted can happen to the best of us. I'm going to prove it to you. If you have your Bible, go to 1 Kings, the 19th chapter. 1 Kings 19 we're going to look at a few verses about a man named Elijah who was a man of God. Elijah knew God. Elijah spoke on behalf of God. Elijah performed miracles. Yet he's going to find himself in a place of being depleted. Watch this. 1 Kings 19, verse 1. Ahab, who is the king of Israel at the time, tells his wife Jezebel, all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. In other words, you killed my people, I'm coming after you, Elijah. Then he was afraid. The man of God slipped into fear. And he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. Let's pause for a moment. Moments before what we just read, Elijah's on the mountain calling fire down. I mean, this is the moment. 
The man of God, anointed by God, he steps up with boldness. He steps up with power. He calls fire from heaven. He kills 450 false prophets. Then he says, the drought you've been in for over three and a half years, it's over. God is sending rain. That's power. Somebody that can call fire and rain in the same day, that's power. This is probably one of the highest moments of Elijah's life. You're seeing him in full force, full strength. You're seeing him operate in his calling, his purpose, his destiny. But moments later, after the dust settles, you find him alone in fear. Hmm. The man with the mission is now. The man who's breaking down. Why? It's not because he didn't know God. What happened was he got tired. Now watch this. He was filled. He's carrying the anointing. He's carrying the purpose. But he goes out, man. He, he's out there a long time on the mountain. That's, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of pressure. There's, there's not only battles with people that is around. He's got spiritual warfare going on and Elijah gets tired he gets depleted anytime you allow yourself to get tired and depleted the enemy is going to come in at that moment he does it with Jesus Jesus goes on an extended fast before he starts his ministry Satan waits until he's like towards the end of this extended fast and he steps in and says hey you look hungry why don't you take these rocks turn it into bread so we've got to be careful not to allow ourselves to get to that place to where we are depleted. It's okay to be busy, but we have to find busyness with balance. Some of us are just busy for busy. We have no balance, and because we don't have any balance, we're cutting out the things that give us true nutrients in pursuit of the things we think are going to give us nutrients. I'm overworking because I want more money because I think the money is the happiness. But I'm doing it while sacrificing my soul. So that's where Elijah is at. He's tired. He's depleted. And he slips into this moment. Now verse 4 says that he himself goes on a day's journey in the wilderness. So he's left his friends. Y'all stay here. I'm going alone. Because sometimes we think isolation it's going to be what we need. And he, listen, isolation at times done right can be very helpful. Yesterday morning, driving up to the mountains by myself, it was helpful because I was spending that time to pray and to worship and to meditate on the good things of God. So it revived my soul. But isolation, just for isolation, to where you get along, along with your thoughts can be a terrible idea. Because how many of you know this, this thing right here is your worst enemy? This thing right here will tell you the worst things, give you the worst news. But Elijah, he's tired. He slips off. He says, I'm just going to get alone. So he goes into the wilderness, and he came and sat under a broom tree, and he asked. Watch what he says. He asked that he might die. So he's tired. He's isolated. Now he's suicidal. This is the man who was just on the mountaintop. Calling fire down from heaven, calling rain down from heaven. Now he is in a place where he wants to die. Enough is enough. I don't know if you've ever been to that place, but it is possible to slip there pretty quickly if you allow yourself to get depleted without being filled up. And how often do we have to be filled up? Daily. Trust me. It has to be daily. And you've got to beat your flesh into submission to do that daily. Because when you wake up in the morning, you're not going to feel like it. And if you don't do it, you're going to walk through all kinds of hell that you didn't have to walk through because you're trying to run through life on an empty tank. So watch. He asked that he might die, saying, it's enough. Oh, no, oh now, O oh Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. 
And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So God is supplying something that he needs. And he ate and drank, and he lay down again. And the angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord, anytime you see the angel of the Lord, it's referring to Jesus before he took on flesh. He says, and the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, arise and eat. For the journey is too great for you. What you're going through in life is too much for you on your own. And you've proven it because now you've worn yourself down to this place of just feeling like giving up. You feel like escaping is the only solution. So he says, arise and eat for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and he went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. He went in the strength of what God had supplied. He goes from being depleted to having the strength he needs to move on. God restores him and brings him back into his purpose, brings him back into the mission that he had for him. So here's a couple of things I want you to, to understand. First off, isolation is not good. Turn to the person next to you and say, isolation is not good. I should say not all isolation is good. Sometimes it is helpful to get alone to where the only voice you're going to allow is what God is saying through his word. But you have to understand that for the most part, we were absolutely 100% created by God and designed for community. And God has placed gifts inside of other members of the body that you will need to be encouraged, to be strengthened. He has placed gifts within the body, the church, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher to equip you, to engage you, to help you. Are you understanding? So if I isolate myself from his church and his people, I am automatically setting myself up to be depleted. I was thinking about this the other day, and I've never looked at it this way before, but the parable of the sower. Jesus talks about the sower sowing seed. It falls on different types of ground. How many of you are familiar with that parable? And every time we preach through that text, we liken the different ground to the different conditions of our heart. Sometimes we're stony, sometimes we're thorny. Thorny with a T. Some of y'all like, <laughs> Are you with me? And that is true. Sometimes we find ourselves like different soil. And sometimes the condition of our soil can change not just day to day, but like minute to minute. Anybody experienced that? Like you wake up and the joy of the Lord is your strength. By lunch, you want to. Get a little road rage out of your system. <laughs> and all of that's true, but I started thinking about this. So watch this. The sower sows the seed. The seed has the potential to grow. So what Jesus is trying to show us is he's saying, if you have good soil and the seed comes in contact with your soil, then it's going to produce in your life. Correct? Is that what the, that story is about? So all of that is true. But then I started thinking about the fact that every Sunday at church, seed is being scattered, right? It doesn't matter what kind of soil you are. If you're not in the proximity of the sower, you ain't getting nothing. Does that make sense? That hit me like a ton of bricks today. Or the other day when I, when I thought about it, I was like, man. You know, some of us, we, you know, I go to church, I want to make sure I'm good soil. But it doesn't matter what kind of soil you are if you're not here for the seed to meet you. And if the seed cannot meet you, then it cannot produce. What is the seed designed to do? The seed of the word is designed to produce a result in our life. But if that seed is not being implanted in our life because we're not in the proximity of the seed, then we're going to go hungry. Church... Getting together on a Sunday morning is more than just getting together on a Sunday morning to check it off of our list. I love what Randy said during worship. Worship, it's, it's not just singing for singing sake. This is my lifeline. Worship is my lifeline. The word of God is my 
lifeline. And I understand that when whoever stands behind this sacred desk is speaking, they are giving seed intended to produce something in my life. Can I just say something? In your mind, you have to either determine I am Aram Meshagan or I am the man God has sent to send some seed your way today. That's going to make a big difference for what you receive and how you receive it. Because some of us, we come in and say, just hit me with your best shot. Well, you're bad soil. But when I come in and I can bypass this flesh suit that is standing on the stage and realize God has given him something as a gift to the body, it's one of the fivefold gifts then he has given him some seed that I need today. And so I'm going to sit with eager anticipation, expecting to receive something I need. This is a part of the life source. This is a part of being connected to the vine. Listen, those of you who have kids, do not make church optional. You are going to destroy their life. Well, I want them to be free thinkers. Well, let them decide whether they like mustard or ketchup. Not about where they're going to spend their eternity. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Some people make church optional. And here's what will happen. Oh, God. If y'all need to leave, y'all go ahead and leave. But I'm going I'm to be a pastor for just a moment. Because I've seen this happen. I've been in full-time ministry, full-time licensed ministry for over 20 years. I've been a children's pastor. I've been a youth pastor. I've been a worship pastor. I've seen it all. So I've seen all these different examples play out, okay? And I'm I'm just going to invite y'all to join me on this journey. For those who do not know Christ, you've not received him, then you are not a part of his family yet. True or false? True. So that means you do not have a renewed mind yet. You are still functioning with a carnal mind, which the Bible says is what? The enemy of God. So, if your child has not put their faith in Christ, then their mind is still thinking and operating like an enemy of God. And so when they come into the place of God, they're not going to accept or receive or desire the things of God because they have an unrenewed mind. So they come in, it rubs them the wrong way because they're experiencing something, an internal struggle that they do not understand. And so they'll very quickly go, well, I didn't, I don't want to go. It wasn't fun. It was this. It was that. And if we lean into that, then we're pulling them out of the only place that is going to give them the seed they need to produce something in their life. Because it is the gospel. It is the seed of the gospel that results in salvation to those who believe. So it doesn't matter if you've you got to bring your kids kicking and screaming, keep on bringing them kicking and screaming to the house of God to where they can hear the word of God because one day that seed is going to connect with their soil and their eyes going to open and they're going to have a renewed mind and now they're going to go, okay, this is where I desire to be. Does that, does that make sense to you? I could go deeper and deeper and deeper into this, but there's no need to. The, the whole big idea is this is a part of the connection that God has called us to to meet the deep needs in our life that nothing else can satisfy. Nothing else can satisfy us the way the Word of God can satisfy us. And so he says, Elijah, I'm going to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. I'm going to give you food that will give you the strength you need to carry on. Now let me bring this to a a closure because I was thinking about this yesterday as I was driving. We're all broken. Have we received the fact that we're all broken? And let me say this. Hiding brokenness does not fix brokenness. Brokenness is fixed when we carry it to the proper source. When we can bring it to the feet of Jesus and say, I'm broken. And realize that he accepts that from us. He actually says, I'll take your brokenness. And you can have my wholeness. That's such a beautiful exchange. That's what happened on the cross. He flipped the script. He said, okay, I'm going to let you become like me by me becoming like you.
I'm going to take on your sin and your suffering so that you can receive my healing and my wholeness. So God wants us whole, okay? So now let's look at Jesus on the cross. Because many times we talk about the blood of Jesus, and we should, because there is tremendous power in the blood of Jesus. There is victory in the blood of Jesus. Without the blood of Jesus, there is no forgiveness of sins. It is only the blood of Jesus that can wash us and cleanse us from our sin and our unrighteousness. And I think most people who have been a part of church for any period of time understand that. That it is his shed blood that cleanses me from my sins. It is what makes me righteous. I don't become righteous because of my works and my deeds or my behavior. I become the righteousness of God because of the blood that Jesus shed. Okay? So the night before he's arrested... He's with his disciples. He's having this meal. And he takes the cup and he begins to tell them that this, this cup is going to represent my blood that is shed for you for the remissions of sins. It's the eradication of sin. But he doesn't stop there. He then moves to the bread and says, but this is my body that is broken for you. In other words, I'm going to be broken so that you can be put back together. And many of us never receive healing from brokenness because we never allow, we never come to him to be put back together. We'll come to him for the blood, we, the forgiveness, the cleansing which is wonderful and powerful, and that is necessary. That is the first step. But I've also got to come to him with my brokenness and lean into him for strength and say, everything that I am, everything that has happened, all the brokenness, all the trauma, I'm bringing it to you, believing that you can put me back together. The Bible says, by your stripes, by your broken body, I am made whole. That wholeness is that completeness. That is the prosperity I'm talking to you about today that God desires for every person in this room and every person walking online. He desires for you to be put back together. Do you think God desires for you to be on the roller coaster of some days you have happiness and some days you don't? No, 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 no. He doesn't desire that. He desires you to be on a steady journey with joy. Which joy and happiness are completely different. Happiness is determined by what is happening to me. Like, you're nice to me, I'll be happy. Like, my team wins, I'll be happy. My team loses, I'll be unhappy. That's happiness. Joy is constant because joy is not what's happening to me, but by what God is doing in me and through me and he wants us to have a constant steady diet of joy he says i've come so that you can have my joy and that your joy may be full prosperity is a constant stream of peace even though all hell is breaking loose so please hear what i'm saying i'm not guaranteeing you a life of no hell i'm saying you can have peace in the midst of it you do not have to go crazy. You do not have to lose your mind. You do not have to medicate yourself with every kind of substance under the sun just trying to get a little bit of relief. If you can come to Jesus and continually feast on the broken body of the Lord Jesus Christ, reminding yourself that, God, you are broken so that I can be made whole. And I have to do this all the time, church. I have to remind myself that he was broken so that I could be made whole. And I can't try to find my wholeness in people anymore. I can't try to find my wholeness in this or that anymore. I've got to cling to Jesus only and realize, though the world pass away, I'm going to be okay. Because my wholeness is found in him. People want to talk to me right now about what's going on in the world with Israel, which is devastating. 
It shows you the condition of this world and the evil intents of men and women who are driven by the spirit of this world. But as we talk about things like current world issues, I do not slip into worry or fear because my God is in control. My God is mindful. He is seated on a throne. The enemy is under his feet. Nothing is slipping by him, including your current situation. Nothing is slipping by him. He is in control. And that's why I can have rest. This week, we received some news that it's not the best news in the world. It's the type of stuff that you know, parents would, would worry about. But when I received the news, I decided I'm not going to slip into worry because I'm going to trust God. I know that God can show up and do whatever he wants to do however he wants to do it. And even if we have to walk through that valley for a moment, that valley is going to produce a purpose in my life. Is it easy to live that way? No. It is not easy to live that way. It is a discipline. It is a discipline. It is a discipline, church. Submit yourself to God. Surrender your flesh to God. The more you do it, the more natural it becomes. It's like going to the gym. When you first start your, your I don't know much about it, but once you first start, <laughs> it's difficult, it's challenging, you don't want to go. But there comes a rhythm to where now, like you're on vacation and you're like, People are like, you want to go to the Shoney's Buffet? No, man, i got to go to the gym. Why? Because it's become a rhythm of your life. That, that's what worship and the Word should become a rhythm of our life where it's just like, I don't even have to think about it anymore. And the best time to do it, man, start your day in the Word of God. It will make a difference. It will make a difference. I've tried it both ways. And every once in a while I'm thinking like, well, I'm going to try it again just to see, like, make sure I'm telling the people the truth. And I have like, terrible days emotionally it is it is the only thing that pulls me through is knowing that i can connect with my heavenly father 